Welcome to the Two Preachers Podcast, where we talk our way through one of the greatest and yet one of the most challenging callings, leading in the local church. We'll talk about it all, the ups, the downs, highs, lows, victories, failures, rewards, challenges, and everything in between. My name is Ben James, I'm the pastor of FCC Grayson, and I'm joined by my friend Josh Schmidt, pastor of Burlington Baptist Church. We are co-hosts, co-laborers, and you'll quickly find out that we are also equally co-confused. But we would appreciate if you would take a moment to follow this show on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Also, please rate, review, and feel free to send us any comments, questions, or feedback that you may have. Let's get into the show. Josh and I will be talking about ministry and mental health on today's episode. And both of us, while the majority of our calendar seems to be filled with counseling-style appointments and obligations, we are both very quick to recognize and admit in conversation that we are not professional therapists. We provide spiritual and biblical counsel to those that we meet with. Just as with any problem in the body, sickness, or an illness, Josh and I are both very quick to recommend and point our people in the direction of medical professional assistance during those times. And with the mind being part of the body as well, if you find yourself in a position to where you are struggling with your mental health, we encourage you, do not hesitate in reaching out to a mental health professional. All right, Josh, a.k.a. the Joshinator, Burlington Baptist Church. What people don't know is like this is take 47 that we've tried to do yes. something, anything, and it just keeps getting more ridiculous <laughs> each and every time we do it. So, Josh, before I completely derail us right off the bat, how are you this morning, my friend? I'm wonderful. I'm so glad to be joined with my co-host, Ben, the voice, James, the man, the myth, and the legend. <laughs> So thankful to be on here with you, buddy. How are you doing? I'm good. I've I've got to tell you a little bit of a humorous story about that. So as of our time of recording, I announced a boys varsity game last night up at the high school. So a lady from the opposing team's um, you know fan base, a parent of one of the players, comes up to me and says, uh, "Hey, I've got a favor to ask of you," which is always a really interesting way to open a conversation. But before she did that, she stopped herself. She went, "Listen." great voice by the way she said you should be like on the radio or something you do a great job and i went, I went thank you i said thank you very much i said i appreciate that i said i've been told that i have a face for radio and she just not registering she went, oh my gosh that is so true you so do and then about at that point she was like wait a minute no i didn't hear what you just said i'm sorry i was like listen it, it's okay it's okay so, I think you're a looker, Ben. You look I great, man. Appreciate that, man. With uh, you know, it's it's early in the morning. I'm well shaded here in my office, so there's not a highlight of visibility here. So, yeah, bless your heart. Oh, well, let's uh, let's let's get at least attempted at going here. Uh, so far this morning, we are looking at uh, ministry and mental health today. Uh, one of those. 
um, things that I've seen an evolution of in my time in pastoring. I'm sure that you have as well. Um, there's been mindsets and still currently mindsets of it's, um, it's something that we just kind of battle with behind the scenes in private. We don't really, it is that of which we do not speak. So, um, but then there's also some new things coming about, um, in my mind that are refreshing and most necessary is to actually um, kind of break this stigma surrounding it, especially, I mean, just in general, but especially within the realm of mental health and those that are in the ministry. So before we kind of get into some details and some questions and talking points, I'd kind of just like to get your take overall on kind of the um, the evolution, so to speak, of what we've seen with the way that we are approaching uh, mental health in the ministry. Yeah, I think that that I personally have had an evolution when it comes to um, understanding mental health and ascribing mental health issues within ministry. I was a young man when I started ministry and uh, was bulletproof and nine foot tall and, and so didn't worry too much, just ran headfirst uh, into fires without thinking about how um, I needed to take care of my brain and my spirit. And so I've gone through highs and lows like I'm sure that you have been. I also found myself early in ministry really questioning a lot of the supposed mental health issues that people were espousing that happened in ministry Mm -hmm. uh, until I got deep into the throes Mm -hmm. of ministry. And I recognized how quickly quickly you can get sidetracked or shipwrecked because of not taking care of your own mental health. And so that's kind of where I've been at. I think, Ben, you probably appreciate this side. Um, was raised by a, a pastor who was a father who um, was a part of a generation that never spoke at all about any sort of problems that they were dealing with internally. Um, and at times I felt like my generation in response has been far too willing to mm-hmm. <laughs> discuss those things and ascribe everything to mental health issues. Um, and, and so I'm sure there's some sort of happy medium, but we have to be willing to talk about what's going on internally. Yeah, absolutely. We've we've proven over the years as a society, as a culture, as a church, that we we don't arrive at a place of a happy medium very quickly. Uh, we, yeah. we tend to move from one extreme to another. And then once we get to that other side of the extreme, we, we start seeing us settling back into maybe uh, where we yeah. should be uh, to begin with. Um, you know, something that I'd run across a little bit earlier this week um, was I read an article and the statement was made in there that, you know, from a ministry standpoint, from a pastoral standpoint, that the pastor is a pastor everywhere, but he is rarely mm-hmm. a person anywhere. Wow. Yeah. So looking at, again, mental health is something that affects everyone you know, across all scopes of life, whatever profession, whatever place you find yourself in. I do believe that there is a little bit of a unique element that's added whenever we're talking about the pastorate, the ministry, and mental health to where there's this projection that we feel like that uh, that we have to live up to as the pastor everywhere, but very yeah. rarely a person anywhere. Uh, so let's, I think the first thing that I would kind of like for our discussion to, to lead off with here is maybe the roles that our lifestyles play in our mental health, uh, because there's a lot of contributing factors here. Um, so yeah, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. 
I think Ben, the um, one of the interesting things about being a pastor, and one of the most challenging things about being a pastor, is that um, every day is different, mm-hmm. completely different from the last, and that can be emotionally, mentally taxing when you think about it. When you experience um, all the highs and lows of ministry, dealing with people's problems and their victories, it, you can get emotional whiplash a lot. And so one of the things that I struggle with, because I am such a person that that craves structure, mm, yeah. uh, especially yeah. with my schedule, is that pastoring does not lend itself to any sort of structure because there's always another fire. There's yeah. always another problem. There's always another issue that sidetracks. And so dealing with the peaks and valleys of an unstructured schedule causes severe mental strain on me. I'll just be honest yeah. with you. That's part of it. Dealing with the problems of our people and loving our people so deeply that we internalize those problems. It's so hard to um, to show empathy that's real and genuine with not without internalizing those own problems and taking them on for yourself. You and I pastor pretty good sized churches, Ben, and when that number of people just continues to increase and and you are dealing with so many problems, it can become like that boulder on your shoulder that just weighs you down. Mm-hmm. So it's another another area where it's it's very easy to take some blows to mental health. Yeah, absolutely. And that, uh, yeah, just just kind of comp- trying to compartmentalize everything that's that's happening and everything that goes on. I think that there's also I was in the same article. If you look at the numbers of primarily agrarian cultures still to this day, the people who are responsible for growing their own foods, providing for themselves, less sedentary lifestyle than what we have, less screen-driven lifestyle, and a less fast food-driven lifestyle. Um, Clinical mental health cases and issues are far less prevalent than what we experience in our type of culture. That's not saying they don't exist there. It's just far less. So I think that there are uh, some things that we can control to at least improve um, or lessen the effect of some of the things. And, And lifestyle being one of those, I think of like things like diet, exercise, rest, sleep. All of those things that the amount of movement you're doing and not going to the gym, just, just walking, you know, just basic movement. Um, and then another step to that is maybe some boundaries that we struggle with as ministers, that feeling of we have to be the doer of all significant things in our churches. And the reality is, is if that we are the doer of all significant things, then not all things are being done significantly. Yeah, um, that's exactly right. And that, um, so uh, l- let's talk about just the, the rest concept because we don't have time to get into all of these things one by one, but let, let's talk about, about rest in the life of a pastor and the importance of that. Yeah, I don't know that I have a lot of good things to say about this one. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an excellent practitioner of rest. I um, we are in we are in our own personal throes of five or four kids, five and under. So we feel like we are just surviving from nap to nap right now mm-hmm. as a family, basically from school day to school day. But I have learned um, one of the things that fills me up and doesn't empty is my family. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning to 
pour to to plug into the things that that fill me up and don't empty me um and that's been spending significant quality time with my family which means i have to say no to other things and that's been a learning process yeah. i've not done that well over the course of my ministry but it's something that i um i i, I have prioritized lately that the phones put away the messages can go unanswered. The email can go unanswered. I don't need to be doing sermon prep when my kids are asking me to play with them. I, I'm going to prioritize the things that fill me up that don't empty me. Now, that is hard sometimes because it means passing up on good things or mm-hmm. things that would even be helpful for the church. But I recognize that for me, at least, my first line of ministry and my greatest joy is my family. And I have a responsibility to them before I have a responsibility to anything else. So figuring out priorities is really important for the pastor. Learning uh, each each thing's place in your schedule is very, very important. And and filling yourself up with things that matter and don't is so important. And it just takes time. It takes time and experience. Yeah, absolutely. And the, uh, I I think kind of building off of that, you know, learning uh, your place, your schedule, what's the most conducive and beneficial um, for the priorities, you know, to prioritize what's happening is the culture of comparison that we we tend to live in as pastors. Um, because, you know, relatively new to a congregation there in, in Burlington, uh, that there's always a culture of comparison to a previous pastor. Someone, or if we look at our peers, that it would be really easy for you and I to start comparing ourselves against one another. You know, it's like, well, Josh is doing this. Maybe I should be doing it. You know, and we get this pressure from the super pastor syndrome. Um, and then all of a sudden we get to this place where we're stretched so thin um, that we're not any good to anyone. A funny story about that. I had a, a meeting yesterday. A, um with fellow Baptist pastors and um, I, I, I'm pretty much like tired of those. <laughs> I can be honest with you. And here's why. I mean, there was a, it was very helpful. We were talking about church planning was such a, which is such an important issue. But when we had time downtime, uh, every pastor I talked to, I think except one asked how large is your church? Yeah. Like, that was the question. Yeah. Asked, how many, what are you running on Sunday? Yeah. Very common question. I ain't and, running on Sunday, man. <laughs> I, almost, I almost just like facetiously was like 4,700 last Sunday yeah. was our worship attendance. But yeah, we're surrounded. I'm surrounded on every side been, um, by massive churches. And uh, and that has been freeing for me, to be honest, mm. because I don't feel like I have to try to compare to any other church anymore yeah that's been really helpful and freeing for me but the ministry comparison uh is the death of joy for the pastor because god establishes you in your season of ministry at your place to do what only you can do because he's the one who puts you there so who cares what everybody else is doing we should we should be excited uh what everybody else is doing i had a story that I want to share real quickly about a pastor that called me one time and you know no names we're not mentioning any names but and he's never going to listen to this but um he called me one time and he was like hey man I never spoken to this guy before in my life uh up to this moment he called me and he was like hey man uh what do you run on Sunday and I was like I don't know 
why? And he goes, what, what do you, what do you baptize? What do you ask all these questions? I said, Hey, can I ask why you're asking this? And he said, I just want to know who my competition is. Yeah. And at that moment it was like, okay, well, uh, we, I didn't realize we were a competition, but right. here we go. We have to stop. We have to stop comparing ourselves to others because like everybody else, you only see the best of what they're posting. You only see the best of what's happening in their church. You don't know about the fights that are happening in their deacons meetings or the problems that are happening in their small groups. And so it's very easy to fall into that trap that everybody else is doing well and we are not. Got to stop doing that. That is damaging for mental health. Amen. Amen. Matt Chandler, uh, I don't know if he coined this phrase or if it was just where I had originally heard it, but I'm going to attribute it to him. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Um, what's, in your opinion, what is the importance of changing conversations for pastors to honestly and openly function from this place in seasons of our lives to where we say, I'm not okay. And you know what? It's, it's okay to be there. It's just not okay to stay there. How, how do we, how do we change these conversations? One, we're going to have to change the dynamic and the expectation of our pastor in the local church. One of the reasons that pastors are so fearful to say that is because for the most part, they do not have close friends in their own local congregation. Yep. They don't. So they have no one that they can be trans- openly and completely 100% transparent with. I had a an article that Fox News put together uh, that was in June of last year that talked about how um, the overall decline in health among pastors is precipitous and that they are exhausted. One of the things that precipitated that decline from 2022 to 2023 was extreme loneliness. There were pastors, a significant amount that says that when it comes to having true friends, they don't have that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that we're going to have to do, we're going to have to create a culture of authenticity and transparency within our local church where pastors feel like they can actually talk about not being okay for a season Mm -hmm. and they don't have to worry about their their job um, security or anything like that. And pastors have to find people that they can, they can open their hearts to. Wouldn't you say Ben? Yeah, absolutely. And just the, um, you know, talking about that, the depth of relationship I presented to our church a couple months ago, I said, you know, one of the um, hot button words for the church and one of these trending words that we hear is transparency. You know, it's like we need to be transparent with one another. And and I agree with that. But, Josh, I can be completely transparent with you and not open myself up. You know, I, yeah. I can I can tell yeah. you, hey, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. And I can be honest with you. But I think that it God's calling us to move into an even greater depth, far beyond transparency. And that's vulnerability. Yeah. yeah I, I think cool. that, you know, I can be transparent with you but not be vulnerable. Um, and I think that the vulnerability is where we find ourselves truly opening up to allow people to minister to us. You know, the, the book of James, we see that, you know, forgiveness comes only from God. So forgiveness, that type of thing, that's only for God. But he also instructs us that, hey, accountability happens 
between each other. You know, that confessing our sins one to another. Forgiveness for the sins only comes from God. Accountability for our struggles comes from our relationships with others and being vulnerable. Amen. And we are at we are at critical mass with this, and we're at a, we're at a breaking point when it comes, at least in the American church. Yeah. Um, that that same article. One of the reasons that we have to get to a point of allowing pastors to say it's okay that I'm not okay um, is because there were in that same article of the pastors that were surveyed, forty two percent of them thought that maybe they should abandon their vocation altogether four out of more than four out of 10 pastors because of their burnout that they had experienced in the last year were wondering if they should abandon their vocation altogether because of unsustainable stress Mm -hmm. and loneliness we are losing an entire generation of pastors to something that is that we can work on that we can fix we have to create a culture of like you said, vulnerability, which I think is excellent, where it's okay for pastors to admit that they are struggling. Mm-hmm. They are wounded, and they are themselves uh, seeking healing through their own local church. It's important. Yeah, absolutely, because when, when that doesn't happen, kind of moving us to our next bullet point here, uh, the, the word uh, ruminating is one of the things in mental health that you'll hear sometimes, but not too frequently. But but to basically to ruminate on something is just to focus on a negative um, or thinking or dwelling on something um, in a negative light connotation over and over and over again. And to give you the, the Northeast Kentucky version of this is a cow chewing cud. Basically, you know, cow the, the cattle will eat grass, they'll chew it, they'll consume it, they'll swallow it, then they'll regurgitate it, they'll chew it, they'll eat it again, they'll swallow it, then they'll regurgitate it. This is where we need to be on video right here, Josh's face. Um, but that's that's ruminating. That's just this regurgitation of something over and over and over that we're consuming. And this is a big problem with pastors, um, especially Sunday nights into Mondays. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Have you heard of the expression doom scrolling that's been coined the last couple of years? This idea that people will lay in bed and look at their phones and just scroll through Twitter and see all of the horrible things that are happening, and it's just going to put them into a worse and worse mood. I think there's some doom dwelling that happens uh, with pastors where we just sit and think, you know, my dad, and and he is not original with him. We've all heard this as pastors never resign on a Monday. My dad used to say, a lot to me don't resign on Mondays because because of the um, exhaustion from the gauntlet of Sunday and all of the things and the, the maybe the bad thing that somebody said about your sermon or the complaint that they had before you went home or the fact that you got pulled out to do this or that when you were trying to spend time with your family. It can be very easy to get absolutely exhausted by Sunday night, by Monday morning, ready to quit. And part of that it's going to take a mindset change where we stop dwelling on the negative and we start looking towards the positive that Ephesians 3.20, that mm-hmm. we look to the cross mm-hmm. to can, that does all things exceedingly, can do more exceedingly great than what we expect. We, we have to um, change, change our mindset about that. We can't just dwell on the negative all the time. And we also need to surround ourselves with, with people who are like Barnabas, who are encouragers, that can speak into us and tell us that things aren't always the way that they appear to us. Yeah. 
that maybe we're in our own heads about some of the stuff that's happening in our church that can celebrate the good things that are happening, not just in our church, but in our life. That's really important for us. Yeah, absolutely. And the uh, this is not something because I, um, I remember at the beginning, towards the beginning of my ministry, I was, um, you know, basically pastoring a church plant, uh, you know, so many different challenges that come along with that as opposed to an established church, not less challenging, just different in the challenges. Uh, and, and I remember thinking, um, about how well, pastors, pastors of larger churches, they don't have to deal with this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but the, the trick that we kind of convince ourselves is like, we worry about the bad Sundays, you know, like when, when something terribly bad happens on Sunday, we see this as more of a reality of like when you don't have a great service or whenever the, you know, the message feels like you're speaking gibberish coming out of your mouth. Like this made zero sense. When in reality, you can be coming off one of the greatest Sundays that you've ever had, man. I mean, like, you know, the music was great. People were involved, engaged, they were responsive, the message just flowed, and you had maybe people uh, making decisions for the Lord, and then all of a sudden, whenever you get home or get to that quiet place of where you can reflect a little bit, it's like, oh, I said this one thing that I really wish I had not said, or oh, I forgot to say this thing, that was that was like the greatest one-liner that I had planned for this message, and we just get into our own heads of looking and we, for that negative. Yeah. And we also, when we do that, we kind of elevate ourselves to the place of God. Like <laughs> right. if, yeah, so true. if I had just said that one other thing, then there would have been a Billy Graham like response. <laughs> or if I had done this, not realizing that God alone is responsible for salvation, that Jesus is the hero of our church. Mm. We don't have to be that. What a blessing that we don't have to be that. I was talking about this yesterday. I, at First Baptist Grace in the church I pastored before, I preached one time the worst sermon, in the, not just <laughs> in my ministry, but in the history of the church. Church is 100 years old. I preached the you could not have preached a worse. It was horrible, Ben. And I remember coming down dejected from the pulpit to the altar, thinking like, why are we even having an invitation? This is stupid. <laughs> and a, a lady came forward and got saved that morning. Yeah. And it was a good reminder to me that I don't have to be the hero of my church. Yeah. And so, brother pastors, if you're listening to this, stop the doom dwelling. Stop the doom scrolling. Things are a lot better than you imagine. Mm-hmm. You are the king. You have the great privilege of being an under-shepherd to the shepherd, and you need to, as Colossians 3 says, set your mind on heavenly things, uh, things that are above, not earthly things. Yeah. The uh, From this past Sunday, the key takeaway from my message was that the Bible tells us woeful things about ourselves, not to tear us down, but to make the grace and salvation of God appear as wonderful as it really is. Amen, dude. That'll preach. Yeah, and I think that whenever we keep that in mind of like, listen, we are flawed, fallible vessels that for some reason God has chosen to use us to speak through. If we're truly depending and relying on a sovereign God and trying at least to see him 
in his true majesty and true glory and, and have a higher view of God, that should take the pressure off of us instead of Amen. adding more to our plates. Like, listen, I'm going to turn in Christ. I'm turning myself over and I'm going to be dependent upon God. Amen. So, so let's try to wrap this up here just a little bit, this discussion. Uh, and s- let's give one practical takeaway each of what's a practical step uh, that you, if, if you had a, 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 a brother that's sitting across from you who's really in the throes of this struggle for the first time, he's trying to navigate it, What what's that practical step? For me, it was I had to find something that would take my mind off of ministry. Hmm. So I, I needed an outlet, a creative outlet of some sort. I have very few hobbies. I'm not a very interesting person. And so I needed something that could break my mindset of ministry where I could where I could put that on the shelf for just a moment and I could actually be a person, a real person. So for me that was gardening. I took up gardening mm-hmm. last year and it completely changed my entire um, mindset mentally. And here's why. Because for us men, for ministers, there is never a moment where we feel like our job is done. Amen. It's always the next on to the next thing. There's always another meeting. There's always another counseling. There's always another sermon. Sunday is always coming. I needed something that had a defined start and a defined end that I could see the progress all the way through and I could see the fruit reaped from that. And so I just took up gardening. It was such a blessing for me. You guys don't have to go grow tomatillos and tomatoes like I did. What I'm saying is find something that fills you up and doesn't empty you that reminds you of God's goodness and grace. For me, it was seeing his bountiful harvest and allows you to set ministry aside for a moment. I promise you, it is okay to not be a pastor 24 hours a day. You can set it aside for a bit and be the person that God called you to be individually before he ever called you into ministry. So find things that that fill you up. Yeah. Also, can I say something that's going to be so counterintuitive really quickly? (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going to Okay, it is okay. It is okay if God has released you from ministry. I want to tell yeah. you that, brother. Oh yeah. Some of you, some of you right now are hanging on by a thread, and your families are falling apart, and you're all of those problems. If that's you, your first line of responsibility is loving your family well, and it is okay if you are if you walk away from ministry from a season. I know that nobody wants to hear that. It almost sounds sinful to say it. But do not shipwreck your faith at the altar of ministry. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're the uh, we're usually the first ones to look at the people that we're leading and say, "Listen, if you're doing this out of obligation or from a place of burnout, you need to step back." But we are often, usually, always the worst ones at heeding that advice as Amen. well. As well, so kind of review here. Josh's practical step is to become a hobbit. Become a hobbit and Good. walk away. From- yeah, right. I mean, I mean, episode done, show done. We'll just shut it down right here, man. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, mine is uh, understanding that this is not a place that I feel like I'd ever been before within my ministry history. Uh, so I don't know how many people this is going to resound with. But um, summer of 2021. I found myself at a place that I was checking off an item 
for my bucket list that my daughter had so graciously saved a long time to make possible for me to be able to do it. And I found myself absolutely miserable um, from the standpoint of, I think the weight of everything had just finally caught up to me. And it was one of those that in my life I had, um, I'd always just pulled myself up by my bootstraps, man. Um, and I'd gotten to the place that that wasn't completely working for me anymore. Um, and on a Sunday morning, after that happened, once that realization had happened, I was able to stand up in front of my congregation and begin what turned out to be an eight-week uh, study on um, biblical, mental, and emotional health. And And I stood up in front of them. The very first thing I said was, I am not okay. I'm just not. Um, and I don't know what the answer is. I know where it is. Uh, and I know who the answer is, Amen. but what we're going to do is we're going to take these next X amount of weeks. Didn't have a clue at that time, how long it was going to be. Um, and we're going to figure this thing out together. So, because I am honestly going to be far beyond transparent with you and I'm going to be vulnerable with you as your pastor, understanding that this in the career of ministry in so many different places is absolute career sabotage to stand yeah. up and do that. And I was, I've been incredibly blessed by God with this congregation that come around me at that point, And they were basically like, we're glad you're finally talking about this because we've seen something that isn't right with you for a while. You know, we, we've seen that you've been affected. Um, so my practical takeaway is talk about it. Doesn't have to be in front of your congregation, but listen, if God's leading you to do that, do that. Uh, but find someone to talk to that you can be, Amen. that you can be open with, that you can be transparent with and vulnerable with, um, because it's it's not going to um, it's not going to just go away. It's not That's just right. going to go away. Amen. All right, well, guys, thank you for joining us. We hope that this has uh, served as a blessing. We hope that this gives you some hope and encouragement to understand that, Pastor, you're not alone. You're not alone on that island. You're not alone in your discouragement. Um, we're we're here. We're all here, and as a matter of fact, we would like to be here for you if you have no other outlet. If you don't have that place, please reach out to us, comment, however, you know, we're on Facebook, uh, email to preacherspodcast at gmail.com. I mean, reach out to us, our friends, and uh, yeah, this is, this is something that uh, is, I think, incredibly important for the health of your church. Amen. Amen. Josh, any parting words of wisdom? Yeah, just congratulations. I know that you're a diehard Taylor Swift fan and that your Taylor Swift fandom uh, preceded your Chiefs fandom. And so I'm just so thankful for you yeah. that you get to experience a Super Bowl, a Swifter Bowl yeah. um, with with T Swift and all your Swifties. This is what the prosperity gospel looks like. It can't. <laughs> It's the Kansas Swifty Chiefs, baby. Amen. Let's yeah. go get it. Let's go beat go. the godless Elons of San of San Francisco. Listen, all, yeah. all, all I will tell you is that your attempts at sarcasm and gouging me are pointless because I do nothing but shake it off. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm really happy. This is the the fourth out of the fifth. They won. Have won four out of the last five. 
AFC championships, which is great. I'm trying to remember who beat him that one year. Oh, you may be close to him up there. Championship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. How did that Super Bowl turn out for you guys? It's been a good podcast, Ben. I've enjoyed (laughs) all of our time and our friendship. It was uh, good while it lasted, man. (laughs) May God help you on your quest. We had a good run. We had a good run. Folks, we'll (laughs) see you later. We hope you have a great day. 